welcome along to the Property Academy podcast by Opus Partners. I'm your host, Ed McKnight. And today on the show, we're talking about the art of raising rents. Yes, we have seven proven tactics for you about how to raise your rent, especially as interest rates are hurting property investors' cash flow. So what's tactic number one, Andrew? Tactic number one is an obvious one. Raise the rent. Raise it to the market level. And I know that that sounds obvious, but so many investors don't. So I'll sit down with an investor and I'll talk to them about, you know, what's the value of the property? What's the rent you're getting at the moment? They'll tell me and then I'll give them this look. <laughs> and they'll say, yeah, I know, I know it's low, but we've got good tenants. We want to keep those good tenants. But it's affecting you one way or another. It's either affecting your ability to buy another rental property or sometimes right now it's affecting cash flow. So it's your ability to hold on to a property. And otherwise it's just affecting your wealth. So one way or another, it is affecting you. So if cash flow is hitting you hard right now, this might be an option. And rents have increased significantly over the last 12 months. So they've gone up 9.5% in Canterbury and Taranaki, 14%. Over the last year, That this, yep, this is in the year to November. And Otago, 8.3%. So there have been some serious increases over the country over the last 12 months. Now, some areas, though, have not seen those big increases, like Auckland hasn't increased at all from this November 2022 compared to the same time the prior year. Wellington and Marlborough are both down a bit, according to the TradeMeet data. But if you are in one of those regions, like maybe Nelson, Manamatu, Wanganui, Taranaki, Northland as well, if you are in one of those regions, there may be the opportunity to increase that rent. And this is really talking about if you rented it out today to a new tenant and you could put it on Trade Me and get 500 bucks a week, if you're currently charging 350 a week to your current tenants, hey, there's an opportunity there to increase it to the market level. And I'll give you an example of some investors that I met with just before Christmas and we we're doing a portfolio analysis and they have 13 properties, investment properties across the country. Now, when we looked at their numbers, they thought that they were all relatively well rented, but... They were self-managing, and as a result, we actually got property managers in. So after getting property managers in, so now they don't have to do anything themselves, they have managed to get another $1,000 a week net of the property management fees across their properties. It's huge. I know, huge difference. And it actually means, because originally the strategy was they were going to have to sell some, they're going to keep everything now and see what happens with the election, see what happens next year with growth. That's about 120 bucks a week increase in rent per property. That's enormous. And look, not everybody can do this, right? Because if your rent is currently at the market level, this tactic is not going to apply to it. And similarly, if you've increased your rent already over the last 12 months, you can't increase it again right now because you could only increase rents once every 12 months. But if you own a property and the rent's below the market level, maybe an opportunity. Number two is to renovate your property using the cash flow hacking system. So we're trying to make the property better so that it can earn you more money. And we're also probably trying to attract a different type of tenant who is going to be willing to pay more for that property. So I'll give you an example. Say you've got a two-bedroom home that's currently being lived in by a single couple. Well, if you can renovate that property so it's got an extra bedroom or two, if space allows, well, now you might be able to attract a family who's willing to pay more for that property. Now, you guys who have listened to this podcast for a long time know the six elements of the cash flow hacking system. And remember, these are the six tactics that have been proven to increase both the rent and the value of the property cost effectively. So things like adding in extra bedrooms where you can, trying to turn your property into a multi-dwelling, 
focusing on the kitchen and bathroom, your fixtures and fittings, that's your light fittings, your electrical sockets, things like that, internal paint job and carpets. Now, who can actually do this? If you've got a property that was built somewhere between the 60s and 80s, hey, this could be a really good opportunity because your property probably has enough floor space, maybe an extra dining room, extra lounge that you can turn into the extra bedroom. Also, if your tenants are about to move out or your house is currently empty, really good time to renovate because then you don't have to ask them to leave anyway, which you usually have to do if you're going to do substantial renovations. Also, if you are going to substantially increase your rent to the market level anyway, your tenants are likely to move on. Again, that's somewhere where you'd think about starting to renovate. But if you've already recently renovated the property or it's a new build or the property isn't old and tired in need of some renovations, then you might end up just overcapitalizing. Might not be the opportunity there to renovate. Number three is include some extras in your property. So maybe things like whiteware. So another way of increasing your rent is to say, okay, well, the tenants will pay if there's some extra stuff in the house when I rent it out. Maybe I'll put that extra stuff in there. So don't do this before you've spoken to your tenants as to whether or not they want it. But let's say you've got a new tenant coming in and they're willing to pay an extra $40 a week, say, to have the fridge, the freezer, the washing machine and the dryer in there. Well, $40 a week, you've got another $2,000 a year to play with. You can get all of those products for about $2,000. So you go out, you buy all that stuff, you probably actually put that on interest-free for 12 months, and then use the $40 a week extra to pay it back over the next 12 months. Anything you get after that, it's free money. Do you reckon 40 bu- attendance and pay yeah, 40 bucks so. a week? Yeah, I do. I would have thought it would be around 15 but I'm just... Uh, I mean, even if it was $15 a week, it only takes you a couple of years to pay it off. And you have the added benefit of the depreciation of those products as well. Yeah, there are some tax benefits in there. But again, you've got to make sure your tenants are willing to pay that. And also, you've probably got to think about what sort of property you've got. So if you've got an apartment that's four stories up, then, hey, your tenants might not have whiteware and might not want to lug whiteware in there. If it's a four-bedroom suburban home, hey, it might be likely that your tenants have a washing machine. They probably already already have that. Yeah. So it depends on who your tenant's going to be. And number four, actually, is quite similar. It's furnishing the property. And we should probably do a recap episode on that. You know, look at the numbers in today's market to get a good picture of that. But look, our standard assumption is that it costs somewhere between 10 to 15K to furnish a property. And it's going to get an extra $50 to $60 a week, depending on where it is in the country. So let's say that you took out $10,000 as a loan on your mortgage at, say, 7%. Say that you want to finance it. That's going to attract interest of about 700 bucks a year. But if you get an extra $50 a week in rent, then you're getting an extra 2.6K a year. And so you're up $1,900 from making that investment. Now, of course, you've also got to think about things like that furniture wearing out and the furnishings wearing out over time. But if we're talking about short term, trying to get that rent up, maybe for your servicing, maybe to help your cash flow, then thinking about furnishing might be something that you want to think about. And I'll give you an example. Right now, I moved to Christchurch probably about six, seven months ago. And when I moved down, I thought, well, I need a place that's furnished. And the place that I decided to rent initially was advertised at 600 bucks a week. And I said, well, I want a shorter fixed term. I don't want to rent it for 12 months. Commitment issues. I want, yeah, I've got a lot of those. I want it for six months instead. 
and I want it furnished, and I want the power and the internet all included in it. God, for someone with commitment issues, you're a pain in the butt. Yeah, well, they took it from $600, and I ended up paying $800 a week. So I think the investor's probably doing quite well out of that. Another $10,000 a year. Because they've added on a whole heap of extra services that I was then willing to pay for. Now, who can do this? Well, if you've got an inner city apartment or townhouse that is going to appeal to someone who's a bit more transient, maybe a professional or a business who wants to rent it, then you might look to furnish that property. But again, if it's a four-bedroom property out in the suburbs, you're probably not going to furnish it because you're likely going to attract a family who's already got some of their own furniture, have been set up for a wee while. What about number five, Andrew? Number five is Airbnb. So next couple of tactics are about attracting a different type of tenant than a regular tenant, I guess. So people who are willing to pay more money. Take Airbnb. If you rent out a property for $500 a week, that works out to be the equivalent of $71 a night. Now, if you put the property on Airbnb, it might be that you get $140 a night. Bear in mind, it's only for the nights that you rent it out. So it's still double, but we're going to think about what your occupancy is going to look like. And Airbnb has additional costs as well. Now, usually we say that it will work out to be about another $5,000 a year if you put your property on Airbnb. Now, that's a general rule of thumb. That's not saying your property will get another $5,000 a year. We're talking about the numbers that we've run, renting a property that's suitable for Airbnb versus renting it out normally. Normally another $5,000. Because you've got extra things like higher property management costs, you're paying for your electricity, your internet, all of those services, and there are extra furnishings that you've got to put in compared to if it was a standard furnished property. And it's not rented for 365 days in the year. So the kind of people that could do this, if you've got an inner city apartment or a townhouse or you've got properties near major infrastructures like an airport or a tourism hotspot like Rotorua, basically anywhere where there's probably a hotel. So anywhere that might attract tourism, great option. Probably less likely to do it if you've got a four-bedroom house in Rollison. Yeah, agree. Now, number six, this is an interesting one that I've really seen around Christchurch is renting your property out is shorter-term accommodation. And for you guys on YouTube, you'll see this, but I'll describe it for everybody listening on the podcast. This is a property, two-bedroom townhouse in St Albans, which is quite a nice area of Christchurch, and that's being advertised today, furnished for 650 bucks a week. Now, what's interesting is if you scroll down, they say 650 is what you can rent it for, furnished, long-term, 12 months plus, no services, so no internet power, None of that. You As a normal that. rental. Normal rental, 650 bucks. Okay, but if you want to rent it out short term, so if you're the Earthquakes Commission, a company or a professional, they'll rent it out for 160 bucks to 180 bucks a night. That'll actually be people who are using this while their property's being repaired. Okay, that's interesting. But if you want to have it for, say, six months or 12 months and want the landlord to pay for power, internet, those kinds of things, they're going to charge you $750. Or if you want it for six months, $800. So what they're doing here, the landlord's doing is saying, if you want it for a shorter term, that's all good, but I'm going to charge you more for that if you only want it for a six months fixed term. It's quite clever. Is this a private landlord? Oh, yeah, Stella 39, I think I saw. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah Stella this 39. Is, and I think there are there's a couple of landlords that I've seen who are private and are doing some That's of quite this. clever. Shortening the term and saying, I'm happy to rent it to you for a shorter time, but I'm going to charge you for that as well. And so if you think about 
say, adding an extra 100 bucks a week for power and internet, maybe that brings in $430 extra rent a month. Maybe it costs you $230 for those extra services, paying for power and internet, depending on how big the house is. Well, you might be 200 bucks a month better off, which is about 50 odd dollars a week. So that might be another strategy you're thinking about to try and increase the rent. Again, who can do this? Probably more likely if your property's relatively in a city, maybe Wellington, quite close, maybe a professional wants to rent that. Again, less likely if you've got a four-bedroom family home in the suburbs. What about number seven, Andrew? Rent the property out room by room. So have more tenants or sources of income. And this is something that I remember I did back when I rented Bacluse Street, I did it as a room by room rental. Now, often you'll do this when you've got a house and each of the bedrooms has its own ensuite, and then you might have a shared lounge and dining room and all those kind of things. But I, I just did that for a normal house. Each of the five bedrooms shared the one bathroom that was in there. And I just advertised it and I'd take, I think, $80 a week was the rent that I'd get. Those were the days. Yeah. And people could come and sign up an individual tenancy. So it's a bit more work. But you advertise each of the, well, you advertise the house and you just say room available, $80 a week, get your inquiries. Nowadays, you'd put it on Trade Me, but also Facebook and Facebook marketplaces under the flatmate section. Yeah, the flatmates wanted yeah. groups. There are heaps. I know there's one in Auckland that's got like 50,000, 60,000 people in it. And I think just to put it into perspective, I think the average per room rate as a normal renter would have been more like $50 a week. So I was getting quite a lot more than what was normal at that stage. Yeah, the first time I moved to Auckland, oh gosh, this is some years ago now though. The first place I moved into was a room-by-room room rental like that. Standard, yeah. I think it was a five-bedroom townhouse, quite a big townhouse yes. in Green Lane. And everybody rented the room separately. And that can work really well for people who aren't moving into new cities or a bit younger. And yeah. there's probably going to be much more wear and tear on that house, I'd assume. But yeah, you've got to get that cash flow up. I think actually that can go both ways. I think in some cases they do have a bit more wear and tear some of the time. But then also some people just, you know, they have their room and they're spending most of the time at work. So I know one of my investors in Hamilton, their, their room by room rental property is rented predominantly to quite mature people. And they've, you know, they might have gone through a separation or they've relocated for work or something like that. And they're just a single person. They go to work, they go out for dinner, and then they go and sleep at home. So there's very little wear and tear. So the people that this would be more suitable to, usually it's properties that are set up for this or you set them up where you actually have multiple bathrooms and maybe a kitchenette in there. But you can effectively do it with any property. It's just maybe a bit more work. But you do need to think about whether or not your property is practical. Again, you're probably not going to do it with a four-bedroom house in Rollison. No, but you might do it for something that's more in a city if you're trying to attract Absolutely. professionals or young or people. Or close to the universities. So just recapping those seven different tactics. One, raising that rent to the market level. Number two, renovating the property using the cash flow hacking system. Number three, including whiteware. Or potentially number four, fully furnishing that property. Number five is about thinking about putting it on Airbnb or as we said in number six, renting out the property over the shorter term or including things like power and internet to get that rent up. Or the last one that you talked about, renting the rooms out individually as a room-by-room -room rental. So you might not be able to apply every single one of these tactics, but hopefully from today you've got one or two that you might think, oh, I might be able to use that to get the rent up slightly to help with those higher interest rates and the high costs that you're facing at the moment.
Right, let's wrap it up there, but please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. It really does help us get the message out to more people. And hey, if you're listening to the podcast and you want to watch this on YouTube, you can find that at youtube.com. Just Google search Opus Partners YouTube. It'll be the first thing that comes up. And if you're watching on YouTube, make sure you hit the subscribe button. We release new videos every Monday and Wednesday. Thanks for listening to the Property Academy podcast. I'm your host, Steve McKnight. Andrew Nicole. And we're going to be back again tomorrow with even more daily strategies, tactics, and insights to help you get the most. Get the property market. Until next time.